Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast on Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and we're here for the first of our summer specials with former Reds players. And I'm delighted by to be joined by former Forest defender Eric Lehigh. Eric, good afternoon. How are you? I am doing good. How are you? Yes, good. Thank you. Good. Um, good. Thanks for joining us. I think you're back in this country after a, a stint in Turkey. Is, is England home to you now then? I know you've got family here, but obviously you're an American. Do you? Do you count England as home now? Uh, I would say so. I've lived my whole adult life here, so it is a, a home to me. But I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be in the next five years, let alone the next year. So I just uh, take it as it comes. I'm I'm quite easy. My wife and kids they look forward to the new adventures wherever we go or wherever we end up. So I don't know. I, I treat this house that I'm here at like it's a house to me and a home. And it's really nice, but uh, I don't know where I'm going to end up or what will happen in the next five years. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to that and what you want to do in the next few months. But I suppose we should go back to the beginning for you. I mean, I, I know in America, I guess soccer, as you probably would have called it, was a big participation sport. But we do, do you think you're always destined to be a professional footballer? Were you, were you bucking the family trend by getting into this sport? Um, I Well, I'm the youngest of... Uh, three uh, sons that my dad had. So I like they played soccer or football and I just naturally just wanted to be like them. So I ended up just playing uh, football. So like, I, I don't know. It was just uh, something that I always did. I wanted to be like my brothers. I used to play up uh, two years with my, uh, with my, one of my brothers and I just ended up being all right, right at football, I guess. And, over the years, uh, I ended up getting a scholarship and things like that. I, I don't know if I was bucking the trend, but I just wanted to to be like my brothers and play, and I ended up being all right at the sport. I must be doing all right. I'm still playing when I'm 32, so <laughs> I must have done something right at least. So you grew up on, was it kind of the, the suburbs of Chicago? Is that right? Did, yeah, there's a yeah, the town called Downers Grove. That's where uh, my, my parents still have that house there, and they're still there now. So, but it was, uh, there was loads of different like fields just to go play on in the, in our back, uh, garden, there was like a big, like field that, and my dad built a, like a kind of small goal. And I used to always play with either my friends or my brothers right there. And then there was a park must've been no more than like a mile away that I used to either ride my bike or, or just walk there to either go play with my friends and stuff. There's, I don't know. It was just always something. And a lot of my friends, uh, when I was younger, we just played together and we would always play. And I also would play like loads of different sports. I was like that all American, I guess. Okay, we didn't specialize in one sport. We just played everything. Kind of like the athletes, uh, like they used to describe Americans back, like probably like five, 10 years ago, they would always say, oh, they're athletes. But now uh, there's some, 
some younger players now that you wouldn't say like they're athletes, they're actually quality players. So, so when did it become serious and how did you kind of decide it was the career for you as much as anything? To be honest with you, I just enjoyed playing. I must have been, uh, became a career, I would say, when I was at Villa. And it was, I ended up signing like a decent deal. And it was, I think, I think it was 21 or 22. I signed like another two-year extension there. And I was making some serious money. And I thought, I, I need to, this could be a really money maker for me. I need to keep working hard and keep going at it. And I think it was about then when I was uh, just around, I think I went on a few loans and stuff. It kind of clicked that I needed to buckle down even more and, and just pursue this as much as I can. How were you viewing it as before then, then? I mean, if you, obviously you were taking it seriously because you don't get that, that stage before, yeah. um, you know, to, to Aston Villa without being dedicated, but when did it really how were you viewing those early years at Villa then was it just a good experience as much as anything oh uh, I, I wouldn't say it was a, a good uh just a good experience I was just I don't know I just played I always played when I was younger it was just always a part of what I did as a kid I would just always want to play I, I love playing and then it got to the point where I uh, like I said that contract it was really good money and I thought wow I need to even work even harder to get even more because I, I didn't even, I don't even, I don't even know how to like say it. Like when I was younger, my mom used to always say like, you need to get an education, get an education. Like I went to college at UNC. I got a four year uh, scholarship there from football. And like my parents were really happy with that. And like, I, I don't even know how, how I ended up at Villa. It was just like my, my agent ended up, at the t- oh, I, I played with the under-17 national team. I moved out there, and uh, there's this guy who was based in England, and he saw me, and he knew I had a Polish passport. And he, um, and he said, oh, I'll try some different trials at different places. I must have gone on probably like six, seven different trials uh, before Villa, and Villa was the last one while I was in college. And um, they ended up taking me. Uh, it was – I don't know. It was just – I, and still, when they took me, I just thought, oh, I'm just playing. I'm going to enjoy it and do everything. I wasn't really taking life too seriously or, or football seriously. Not, I, I shouldn't say seriously. I should say I was working really hard at it and everything, but I didn't see it as like, oh, I'm going to end up doing this forever. It was just something that I did and, and I really enjoyed. And I still enjoy now. What was it like coming to England? Then? I mean, you know, America and England aren't worlds apart, but was there a a bit of a culture shock walking into an English dressing room from what you've been used to in America? Yeah. First year here was probably my worst, probably mentally and physically. I was physically, I was so far away from it. I came in, I was trying to get myself fit in the summer to when I, before I came and I ended up breaking my foot. So I thought before it even started that I wasn't going to come, but they still ended up taking me. So I didn't, I wasn't, didn't touch a football until about December when I first came. And like when I got there, all the guys spoke English, but some of the Irish guys and Scottish guys, I couldn't even understand them the way they spoke with their accents. And then the, the banter and stuff, I didn't really get it. It was, it was, I don't know. It was just totally different from the mindset that I had in the U S because it was always like a, a team mentality and it, I, it felt like everyone was a little bit more individualistic and 
they needed to get to the next stage. Now that I look back at it, I didn't realize at the time, but it was like everyone wanted to be that professional and get to the next step. It didn't matter. They wanted to work the hardest or get there any way possible. So I, I just wasn't used to that. I was more of a, a team thing. Everyone was in it together. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was, just, it was just totally different. And it was, first year was really hard on me. I was unfit. Like I had so many problems. I was playing, like I couldn't even feel my uh, foot. I had a broken foot. I couldn't feel it probably till February. So I was playing with like a numb foot whenever I was in training. So I, I was terrible. I was, and I was supposed to be playing with the reserves, but I was on the bench with the youth team. And I was barely even coming on in games. So it was, uh, it was a really, a really tough time. It was really bad. And plus uh, also the digs bit, I didn't even know about that. You had to stay with a host family, which were, which were really, really nice to be fair. And that was actually all right with it. That was more like normalization for me, which was okay. But it was, uh, it was a big difference for me. That's for sure. That first year. So did you come over here on your own, I guess, without any family? You, you, you probably, uh, was it quite a lonely existence that first few years, like the year or so while you're settling in? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say lonely uh, because when I was 14, I moved away. When I was younger, I moved to Florida for three years. And that's, that was with uh, the USA, like they called it a residency program. There was a 40 guys then uh, differ- differencing in the age. And we, it was ended up, trying to get to the under 17 world cup. So I, I was away for like four years before prior. So it was nothing like loneliness with that. It was just, uh, like you said, the culture shock and the way, uh, the people, uh, like the guys were there, I was just totally not used to it at all. It, t- it took me a year to get settled in. That's for sure. How do you reflect on your Villa experience overall then? Because I didn't realize you played quite as many games as you did, but it never seemed like you got quite the, a run in the side to really establish yourself is is that fair to say you probably felt like you needed a bit more of a chance or not um i, I don't know i wouldn't say so I, I enjoyed my time there i spent i think it was five or six years there i learned a lot how to become a professional there so my time there was well uh well worth it i uh, especially the the coaches there what like the reserve team coach and you think it was kevin mcdonald especially he uh basically taught me how to become a professional. If it wasn't that, that step when I came there, if I, if he wasn't there, I don't know if, if I would be uh, talking to you right now and if I would played all the, the games that I have done, but um, I don't know the, the village, but why my time there, I, I did play some games. I ended, I scored uh, in the premier league, which I'm happy about when I look back at it, I probably wasn't ever going to be first choice because there was always somebody in front of me. Um, I had uh, I played left back and right back, which I didn't mind, but I don't know. I I probably wasn't one of the better players, but I, I enjoyed my time when I was uh, when I was playing, and I, I owe a lot to that club. How did you end up at Forest then? Because you've been on loan at was it Leeds, I think, most recently. Before then, how, how did you end up at the City Ground? Um, well, so it ended when I think it was Paul Lambert was there. He didn't want to keep me on, so. Uh, my time, my agent sorted out. He said there was three clubs interested in me. And I think it was, it was Forrest was one of them. I think Brighton was the other. And then I'm not sure what the third one was. I'm not sure. I don't remember the third one, but I think uh, Forrest were the closest. And I just thought, yeah, uh, I, I was looked at the background of all both teams and or all three teams. I can't remember the third one. I'm not sure, but I just ended up choosing Forrest. 
um, out of out of the lot and uh, really enjoyed my time. I guess there five years I, have, I was there. Uh, what was it like walking in through the door then? What was it, what were your first impressions of the club? Um, it was not as big as Villa, the training ground at least. I remember that because they just built, when I first came there, Villa built this unbelievable, it was literally my, my, uh, my first um, day there. Like, you know, my first year there, they built their new training ground and it was, they had a pool, sauna, everything. So Forest was a little bit different, which is all, which was n- nothing uh, out of the ordinary because I was at a loan at different clubs. So their training grounds weren't as, uh, as good, but Forest was a, it was a good place. They had a good gym, good pitches, and that's all you really need. What about the dressing room? I've, uh, we've had quite a few different players on here over the years, and they've given very different verdicts on the dressing rooms they were work, working into. Was it a good group of guys there at that time or not? Yeah, I, I, w- I would say so. It was uh, We had a really strong team at the time, um, a lot of big names, and I'm just uh, – too bad that first year because we had a lot of injuries. I think we would have probably at least made playoffs, if not gone up that year if the, our whole team uh, was kept fit. But it's one of those things that, that things happen. But uh, we had a, a really strong team. I remember that. And with the manager, Billy Davis, he got us uh, really fit and playing in a way that we ended up winning, winning a lot of games. Uh, we've had – so who's played for Billy that we've had on here? Um Nathan Tyson, Paul Anderson, Guy Moosey, they all love Billy. What were your impressions of him as a manager? Yeah, he was, he was really good, really good. His training worked you hard. He was clear and concise in his, uh, on how he wanted to play in, in his, uh, in his like, instructions. If he wasn't happy with you, he let you know. He was really – he just let you know face-to-face. He was really honest with you. And you knew if he was pissed off with you, and, he knew, and you knew if he was happy with you. So – and honestly, I think that's that's the best way. And plus, like he he just got the whole group going. We had a, a group of guys that really wanted to play for each other, and we were in a in, in a good place basically. But like I said, like the injuries let us down that year. Things kind of unraveled at the end with Billy. I think it's fair to say in his second spell, there was a lot of attention with his feud with the media and stuff like that. And then Stuart Pearce came in. Does that kind of filter into a dressing room? All that off the field stuff that's going on. Or can you still focus on the game when there's a bit, a bit of a circus around the club gradually forming, I guess? For me, I think it does affect some players. But for me, I was always focused on the games and what I could control. And what I can control is my performance. And then a little bit of the performance of the guys around me with how I can influence them. But uh, the off the field stuff is really nothing to do with with me or or some of the guys at the club. Like it's sometimes I don't even read into it. Some people would tell me things, and I, honestly, it just would go over my head because there's nothing I could do or control. That my what I control is the performances of myself on the pitch. Stuart Pearce was the next manager who came in. I remember that game against Blackpool. Um, the crowd going nuts. What was it like playing for Stuart? Because it was a bit similar. You had a, you were in a great position, and then injuries absolutely killed you. What are your reflections on that period? It's just like frustrating. I feel like we we had we always had good teams, but we ended up uh, just uh, letting ourselves down. Probably 
not in the beginning of the season, but like a little bit after we always, we had a really strong start and then we would dip a little bit. It was just, uh, it's always been like an up and down, I guess for the, the five years I was there, it was like a roller coaster, I would say. But, um, Stuart was a good manager as well. And I, I just, it's just frustrating when I look back, I wish, uh, I, uh, I could have, uh, I don't know. I wish I, w- I could have got the, the club promoted and I know they're still do- trying it now. And it's always a really difficult task, but um, hopefully one day they'll they'll get up there. Do you? I suppose it turned that Stuart Pearce probably turned on that game where I think Reed and Britt got injured in the same game. I think it was all around that time. Maybe Derby and Britt was injured very close around then. Do you remember that time and feeling like um, it was just slipping away from you at all? The, the, the game, the memories like that still. Um, filter into your mind even now these years later or not uh no I, I do not remember that period at all to be honest with you <laughs> i i basically my mindset is if i i focus on the next game that's in front of me and i put my full concentration on it and once that game's gone i'll reflect on it and then i'll put it in the past but most of the games i probably can't remember i i have a terrible memory so unless something really stood out in the game, then I'll probably remember it. But a lot of the games, I I, I just don't remember. <laughs> I should ask you about a couple uh-huh. more managers since we're going through yeah. them. Then I mean, um, okay. Philip Montagne was an seemed an interesting one. He seemed like a a really good guy, but it seemed a bit frenetic on the pitch. I remember a few four threes and stuff like that. What was Montagne like to play for? He was uh, a little bit different. I remember preseason it was totally like low uh, volume so not as intense but the training sessions were really really long and uh for me that was a, a really really different i was not used to that i was more and more wanted like really really intense trainings and, and to get my fitness up really quickly and I, I just feel like i wasn't fit and i remember that the first game i did not i did not feel like on the mark and i told i went into his office and i actually told him like i, I don't feel fit if you're thinking about playing me, can you can you actually put me on the bench? Because I I would not be able to give 100 percent in in the first game. Uh, it's probably better suited somebody else takes a spot. I remember saying that, but it was a lot. Of, I had to do a lot of work. I, it was just a different. Uh, I think it was just different cultures. He I, I don't know if he was a little bit not used to the English way, and he wanted to change it and go into his ways. But I just I really like the high intensity work and in, in shorter periods of. Uh, of training, but he liked a, a little bit lower intensity, but for a longer period of time. Was there a shift in the dressing room around that period then? Because I know you had like Ollie Burke was coming through, and you had guys coming in like Thomas Lamb, Damian Perky, or Perkis, Stojkovic, guys who hadn't played in England before. Was there a big change in the kind of dressing room dynamic around that, that period? Oh, uh, yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of like, it was just different, different cult- cultures around and a lot of the guys probably weren't used to the intensity of the championship. I know we made a, a lot of defensive mistakes back, uh, around that time. It was it was just a, a learning curve. And even for me, I understood it because my first year, it was absolutely horrendous for me. So I can only imagine some of those guys coming in. It's it's just different. It doesn't matter uh, where they've played or anything. It, it's always going to be difficult that first year coming into any club, especially from a different country. Um, then you, we'll, we'll go through the other ones quickly. And I suppose Mark Warburton was the next guy who who came in. Um, he, he played his brand of football, and it seemed like it never quite worked as well as it it might have done. What was Mark like? Um, 
he he was good. He got he, his trainings were really really good. I liked his trainings and everything. Got a team playing in a specific way. We knew how how to play, and uh, I, I think uh, it was it that year that we just stayed up. I'm pretty sure was when yeah. he came in, right? Yeah, the Ipswich so game. That, yeah, yeah, that was intense. That I don't. Jeez, oh my gosh, just thinking about that stresses me out, honestly. But yeah, but yeah, he got he put us in uh, play, like almost playing like that. Like, total football that you see in a lot of teams playing now, like playing out the back and splitting. It was a little bit different for me, but um, I had I had to get used to it. I, I probably wasn't – I was starting to not play as much then. I don't think he, he viewed me as a, the first choice uh, right back, and I, I was used probably less sparingly then. And uh, I was going to be – that. I think the next year after that, that's when I ended up leaving. What about uh, so talk to me about that Ipswich game then? I know you don't want to because it sounds so stressful, but that must have been. A uh, see, I I don't know if you could see all these gray hairs. That's where it started, well, right yeah, there. That game, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Honestly, that that game. Oh my! I it reminded me because of that Derby and Sheffield Wednesday game. I just it brought back memories. It's uh, that was that was horrible. I would not wish anybody to be a part of that. I know probably the fans and everything we're probably just as nervous as as us as players but you um you you hear everything everybody saying like some people oh i might get sacked from the job like staff members please win the game and things like that and then you got some players saying they they can't afford their mortgage if we go down because of the the wage uh, difference that they're going to be on so it was uh it was just intense beforehand um the i think I remember the game before we lost the QPR. I think it was two one, and uh, me and a few of the guys actually we actually went to back to my house and we just we got absolutely steaming. To be honest with you, we we drank a lot of vodka that night and we just let loose. And that was probably the best thing for us because one of the guys there ended up scoring. I'm not going to say who, but it, it ended up working. I, I think we we laugh about it now, but uh, I would never wish that that kind of game on to anyone either go down before the last day or be just be safe before the last day. You don't need to save that stress for, for something else. When you have kids at least or something like that. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's, it was, it's horrible. It was horrible playing. And you just, honestly, for me, I did not want to make a mistake in that game. It was, it was one of those games and you just waited for that one moment. And I think, uh, to be fair, Jordan saved us. That that save off the post absolutely saved us, and we ended up scoring right after that. That was probably a huge save. I, it was really underrated. I wish it was like really big moment. I, I think he probably remembers that for for a long time. That save he should have a little video of that. That was honestly, I remember that save, and I thought, thank God, <laughs> because that would have been bad going one nil down. And then the fans also. I just I remember the fans. I'm taking throw and shouting that uh, Blackburn's beaten Brentford like one nil and then two nil. Oh my gosh. It did not help at all. It did not help during the game. <laughs> Tell me about Forest fans then, because um, I think uh, I, we had Nathan Tyson on last week and he was talking about how Forest fans are different to other clubs and they do genuinely make a difference. And I don't think he was blowing smoke up our asses or anything like that. I mean, what was your relationship like with Forest fans while you were there then? To be honest, I thought they were really similar to Villa fans because they are crazy, by the way. They're really, really, really passionate. If you lose a game, they'll let you know about it in a, in a good or bad way. 
And then um, all, there was the same at Villa. I remember at, at Villa, we lost the game. I think it was Boxing Day. And I don't, I don't know. I wanted to watch a DVD or something. So I went to HMV. And uh, I was looking at getting a DVD. And uh, a dad came up with his son. And he goes, oh, you ruined our Christmas. You lost the game. And I actually was I, – I couldn't – I didn't know what to say. I just I, – I said, just sorry. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't even think I played in the game. But he came up to me and said it. And uh, I – Nothing was said like that to me at, at Forest. It's more just like online abuse and stuff like that nowadays. But uh, like uh, it, they're, I think they're very similar. Uh, so it was, it was kind of normal to me. I, I just thought it was, it was the norm because I was at Villa. Then moving to Forest, both uh, clubs are are really big and and they're really got really passionate fans. Is the history of Forest a positive or a negative for a player? When do you have that kind of oh, we won the European Cup twice, ran down your throat? Is that a good thing? Does it or does it drive you on, or does it make you play within yourself? And it's a bit of a millstone. When does what, what's it like playing for a club with that kind of history? Well, I, it's nothing that I, I would say like drives you on. It's like that you just know hearing from it that it's a really big club. If you've won the European Cup, you know it's a big club. And there, there's always pictures. You, you walk into all the offices and stuff, there's pictures everywhere of, of the history and, and how they've done it and, and everything. So it's uh, even the, I, I watched the DVD. Somebody gave me the DVD. I, what was it called? I can't remember what it was called. Uh, I believe it called. Yes, yes. That. It's, honestly, it's a, it's a really, really big club, but I don't think it – it sets them sets them back in any way. I just think uh, players know that it's a it's a big club to be at, and it's got a big history and it's got a big fan base, and you feel that right away, especially in the first game when you when uh, I look, first signed. Yeah, do you remember your debut then? Uh, I don't remember the game, but I just remembered I really enjoyed. It. We won though. I think we won one nil, but I do not remember the game. You can check <laughs> that if you want, but I, I'm pretty sure we won one nil. And yeah, I just yeah. thought it was, it was, I think it must've been full as well. Cause it was, I don't know. It was, it was a really good, it was, it was a good game. I think, uh, Jamie Matthew was playing in front of me. I think it was, I was a right back and he was right mid. I shall trust you. Don't worry. Uh, I, I don't know. That's... That could be totally wrong. I have, I have the worst <laughs> memory. So we'll see. We'll see if that's true. Was... Karanka was the last manager you played for. Is that right? At Forest? Yes. Um, he's had a nightmare at Birmingham and it didn't work out there at all. But I think Forest fans kind of re- regard him quite highly. What 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 would you say about Karanka? Um, to be honest with you, I just remembered uh, the kind of the last bit because uh, at the end of the season, I just remember uh, them uh, going in and telling me that next year I'll be about fourth or fifth like fullback choice and basically that I can move on. So... I like he he is a good manager I would say he got us playing in a certain way he was really really precise and and how to play and he covered all all uh, aspects of the game but like that a uh, bit at the end I don't know if it was him or if it was more more the owners that were were saying it because um they were both in there so and they both t- um it well Karenka didn't tell me it was uh one of the owners not the owner but um the CEO. Uh, yeah, he, he's the one that, that spoke to me. So I don't know who who was uh, saying the information, but um, that, that just sticks into me. I, I remember that, but there's not much I remember, but I remember that. But, and we forgot a manager. We forgot Dougie Freeman 
as well. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me about Dougie Freeman quickly, and then we'll come back to right. come back. He was he was very good. I liked him because he, he had a lot of uh, defensive um, training sessions and got us really, really structured in a really good way. And as a defender, it, honestly, it just it was really nice. But people say I think that we didn't score enough goals, um, but we we did well well enough that year. We probably. Missed out a few, like like almost every other year. But uh, he he was, he was overall a really good manager, I would say. Do you think he had a tough time? That was around the time when there was an embargo and you had to sign, you know, Ward and Mills on free transfers. Do you feel like his hands were a bit tied, weren't they? Probably. Um, maybe, but I, I don't really, I don't really, like I said before earlier, I don't really look into that. Like if some sometimes you can get players on a free and they're they'll be the best signings that you have and some players cost a bit more but you don't look at it that way we had we had a, a good solid team and uh, I think we ended up maybe twelfth or thirteenth which was a shame I think we are, we should have uh, ended up a bit higher up that year. It's interesting how you say that the peripheral stuff didn't bother you. I know Gimusi was on here and he talked about how players having the chairman's number and going over the manager's head made it a, a difficult dynamic. And Sean O'Driscoll has been on as well saying, you know, he went to Fawaz and saying, you know, you've got to stop paying these guys so much money and giving out new contracts and stuff like that. I mean, that that was just completely alien to you then. You didn't really, didn't register at all with you in terms of day-to-day dynamics and performance or anything? No, no, I've, like I said, what you get with me is what, what like I, I'll tell you, I'm always honest in everything. So I always give 100% minimum. That's how I was raised. And in every game, every training, I always try to give my best. And I never I never had a, a chairman's number like ever in my career. I, I, would, I would never think to do that. I just think that's extremely disrespectful. And if players were doing that, they probably were, to be fair. I, I wouldn't put it past any of them. But if they were, fair enough. But I... I chose uh to my work rate and and how i was on and off the pitch i think made me successful as a player so i i would never uh shy away from that or never change how i am with that but i i didn't really hear of, of players going to the chairman and stuff but i i definitely do believe it for sure there's a few kind of highlights of your time at forest i wanted to to ask you about um you, you won player of the season and you captained them quite a lot around that time i mean where does that rank on your you know career cv it must be quite high up in terms of proud achievements yeah, to be honest with you when i came over here and i started getting a little bit older i thought yeah i just being american i'll probably never never captain a club just because of being from a different country but uh I, my time spent that forest i think i was uh, a little bit of a bigger influence uh, especially uh, I think how I was a, a lot off the pitch and on the pitch. Some people might think I'm annoying as well because of how like consistent I am with my approach and things. I just, I have to do a certain amount of stuff all the time. And I feel like if somebody else is not do, like holding their weight, then uh, I get, I get a little bit annoyed, especially in training. So it's a, uh, I don't know, maybe coaches like that. Some coaches might not. I think uh, how I am, like as a player, it, it helps out, but uh, it, it, it is a, a good achievement. So it's good to look back. I think I still have uh, one of the Captain Darden bands. I kept a few jerseys and I, I have it framed up. So it will be something to remember for sure in the future. 
how did other players respond if you're quite direct in the changing room? Some players, does it depend on the person if you're not pinning them against the wall, but giving them a dressing down either in the changing room or in training? Is it horses for course in terms of how players react to that? Um, no, it wasn't really. I never really gave anybody a dressing down. I don't remember that, though. It was just, I, was, I tried to encourage, but sometimes I get a little bit annoyed and, and, and try to say, like, almost do better, but not, not in a malicious way, I would say. I, I, I tried to encourage more. And, um, like, after games, this persona of people, like, shouting after games, I just think it's all BS, to be honest with you. I, I don't really like speaking straight after games if there's a loss because I know people are in a bad mood they probably say stuff they don't want to say it's better to to wait and look at the video and because people might try to perceive things in a different way so like usually after games I, I, I won't be be saying too much because uh you, you need to just let yourself cool down a bit before uh before you let anybody know about themselves and plus I like looking at myself if there is a, a goal and it might not be directly in my fault I think to myself how could I done better and how can I improve uh, in next game and make sure that doesn't happen in the future um the other game I mean, you probably can't do an interview without being asked about Arsenal I suppose so we should no. certainly discuss that I mean talk to me about the Arsenal game and that that goal in particular, as, as individual nights go throughout your career, that, that must be the best one, mustn't it? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I have for two. I think I only have like seven or eight goals. So to get two goals in one game, and then especially against Arsenal, like I think they're top four team at the time. Um, I've, I've seen people on the internet saying ever since uh, I scored two goals, Arsenal have gone downhill from then. And it it is to be fair, it is true. They have been going a little <laughs> bit downhill. <laughs> yeah, the, um, but that that I'll, I'll always remember that. I have a video of it, like I said, with some framed, and it was a it was a really special night. I ended up getting a dog from it, who's who heard barking in the background uh, before. But it was uh, it was I didn't, also, which is kind of annoys me. I didn't even get man of the match that game, scoring two goals. Who did? I think it was Ben. To be fair fair to him, he played unbelievable that game, so he probably deserved it more than me. He did end Mertesacker's career basically that night, as I recall. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal that game. So, yeah, but it was a it was a really good game. Plus, I'm just going to mention it. The reason why I scored two goals is because the misses and the kids were gone. They were on. They were somewhere. I don't know. So I had a free house for like three or four days beforehand, where I got to sleep fully and not worry about anything. So. I'm just going to mention that in there and hopefully it gets back to her. <laughs> <laughs> what was, um, what about the goal? I mean, it was two goals, but there's the goal, the volley. I mean, that must have been a, a dream moment for you. It sat up so, so well. You don't, it's not, it's not a typical Eric Lehigh goal, I guess. Talk us through that one. Um, I don't even know. I just, I'm looking, like, I remember the goal. So I think Matty goes down the line. And he uh, crosses the ball. I think it. somebody heads it. And then it's still in the box in the scuffle. It's up in the air. And as it's coming down, I think he's not going to clear this properly. I don't remember who, which center back it was. But he's not going to clear this properly. And I, I run into the like top of the 18-yard box. And I think this is going to come to me. And I'm going to score, basically. That's what goes through my head beforehand in a split second. It actually came to me. And I just thought, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And ended up being a, a perfect strike. So 
Uh, if I tried it again right now, I would probably shank it. It would probably go straight to the goalkeeper's hands, to be honest with you. But I'm just glad it went into the top corner on that day. What was it like afterwards with all the media attention? You seem like a pretty chilled out guy. Was that all a bit alien to you? All the headlines about getting a dog and score, get a dog if you score a hat trick. I can't remember what it was, but what was all that like? The whirlwind. Um, well, I, it wasn't really that big of a whirlwind. It was. I'm just like I said. I'm chilled out. I don't take too much. Uh, I, I just let everything almost fly over my head. But uh, I just remember. Uh, I always, my wife didn't want a dog. So I made a bet. I think it was a year earlier or might be six months earlier saying if you score a hat trick and she knew that I wouldn't score a hat trick because I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not going to score a hat trick. I still haven't scored a hat trick, but I just wanted to, I, two was going to be my closest and I knew it. So I just thought, let's get it done. And I ended up I like, here, I'll get him right now. I'll get him and show you right now. Okay. <laughs> He's right here. He's a little bit aggressive though. But uh, he's still. It's he's okay. Still... I'm, I'm far enough away. <laughs> oh, he's, wow. He probably doesn't look as cute on here, but. What's I his like name? Him. It's Gunner. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, it was just good. It's something I'll remember. So it's always uh, something I'll play the kids or grandkids when I, when I get older and they'll get annoyed at me for it. There's a few people associated with that game I wanted to ask you about. One's Gary Brazil. Do you kind of wish that he'd been manager? He came in as caretaker and got good results. Or was it probably just, you know, not a flash in the pan? Was he best suited to being caretaker and doing what he's doing now with the youth team? I suppose the question is, what did you make of Gary Brazil in a very ham-fisted way? Well, I think, I don't know if he wasn't manager that game. I don't know if we ended up winning that because... He, there was a lot of younger guys in the team, and I know that he trained them through through the youth team. So a lot of the guys like really enjoyed him. And I know a lot of the younger guys were really happy that he was taking charge for a little bit. So I think it gave them a little bit, a little extra kick, basically. So if it wasn't if he wasn't manager, I don't know if we ended up winning that game. So yeah, he, he definitely influenced that game in a really good way. And then a couple of players I wanted to ask you about from around that time who were who are doing well now to different degrees. Um, what, do you feel like Ben Brereton hasn't kicked on as much as he might have done? I remember him doing really well at Forest. Do you feel like there's a real player in there that hasn't quite come out of Blackburn yet? Um, I think he's – how old is he now? I think he's like 22. Yeah, he's still right? young. Yeah. yeah, he's still really young, so he's still still got time. But he's, he's still a good player. I think uh, he'll just mature and grow – more and more and hopefully uh in the next couple of couple of years he'll be scoring more goals but hopefully not against me if i'm playing in the championship at least so but uh he was a, a good player at such a young age when i was there and i, I think he's he, he's still going on well he's still got probably a lot to learn he's probably still learning at 22 i was what i probably was in a on my second loan i think in league one or something i barely even played so the amount of experience he has now it's probably no no rush for him but uh he'll he'll probably have some goals that set out for himself and i'm I'm sure he'll hit those targets uh the other one's joe warrell who got sent off in that game who's had a really good season at forest um he sounds like a character in terms of quite forthright uh in his opinions and he seems like a natural leader i mean what would you say about joe when he was coming through at that time 
Um, Joe, I think it was a good time for him to play for Forrest because he got in a lot of exposure and he was around a lot of guys that were a little bit older that kind of would help him out a bit because I know he was making a, a few mistakes around that time, but uh, it was never, no one ever was too harsh on him or anything. It was always, if you make mistakes, just try to rectify it and, and uh, do well, but he, he's definitely grown and kicked on. He's doing really well for Forrest and hopefully for, for years to come. I don't know if, if he'll be moving on or anything, but uh, I, I think uh, at Forrest, hopefully he, he could uh, lead them and get them promoted. Um. Let's. I want. To, I suppose we should talk about the kind of gradual departure from Forest then, which on paper looks like it began at Burton when he got sent off. I don't know if that's a fair assessment or not, because Tendai Dariqua came in and then seemed to cement his place. Do you, am I right about that? And do you look back on that Burton game with some regret that you know you know it seemed to cost you your place? Certainly. Uh, to be fair, I do remember that Burton game, and that red card was not a red card because. One, I intentionally slid through his leg. So he opened his legs out. I actually know that Martin, he came to Hull when I was at Hull my, my second year. But uh, he uh, he opened his legs up, and I ended up sliding in between his legs to get the ball. But to be fair, it, it hurt me more because I concussed myself with that tackle. I was slid in that hard. My head hit his uh, back. I actually concussed myself. I don't know if anybody knows that, but uh, – from there, no, I, I don't think it was my demise. After that, I, I went and uh, went with the national team. I think it was international break. And I ended up going with the national team, but I don't, I don't see it as a downfall. I don't have any regrets with anything because it definitely wasn't a red card, anyways. <laughs> so, was it a bitter departure? Then you touched on earlier about the meeting you had with Karanka, and I think it sounds like Yanis Frentos, the, the CEO. Was the, after such good service to the club, does it leave a bit of a bit of taste in the mouth of how you actually left then? Oh, no, I'm, I'm actually, the circumstance, I, I'll always remember it because it was a, a big moment, but uh, I would, I would, I actually would rather that than just coming to me and saying that you won't be playing, so you're better off elsewhere. So at least they were honest with me and I could end up going, and which, to be fair, actually happened. So I got nothing against them. I'm just, I'm happy that they just said it straight to my face, to be honest with you. That must have been a surprise, though. I mean, you know, you've, you've been playing for the US national team. You got back into it. You've been in, it felt like, as I recall, pretty good form. And suddenly you're told you're going to be fourth or fifth choice fullback. I don't know who they plan to bring in, but that must have come as a bit of a surprise, mustn't it? No, I, I got the gist before the season ended that they were probably going to let people go. And, in my back of my mind, I thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be one of these guys that they're going to tell that basically not to come back and they won't be stopping me from finding another club. So I, I kind of knew and I was expecting it. So it wasn't that big of a surprise. But uh, I'm to be fair, I'm just glad they, they told me. I know some people probably won't be happy with, with how it was, but they were honest with me and they, they, there wasn't any problems me leaving either. They didn't try to stop me or ask for a lot more money, or at least I don't I don't think they did. I suppose the conundrum then is obviously footballers move on all the time, but you've got um, a young family. I think your wife's got a business around here. So it'd be a lot of upheaval. Was that a stressful time as you tried to find the right move, not just for you, but for your family as well? Yeah, I, I, I don't like being a free agent like right now. I, I'd like a, a little bit of security. I, I want like a, a goal to know, know a plan. Like at, at different clubs, I know, like a manager will tell me, oh, this is the plan for the season beforehand. Oh, this is the project or this is what 
uh, I plan for you and what you need to set out for the rest of the season. So being a free agent is kind of like up in up in limbo, but I just uh, I want to hopefully I'll get somewhere where soon. But with, with the family aspect, I, I told my wife before we got together that I'll probably end up moving. So uh, if you're not prepared for that, then uh, then it, this probably wouldn't work out. But and she's still here. I think uh, been together for for quite a while now. But uh, we're we uh, pretty we're pretty uh, resilient. The kids are as well. They've been uh, here, there, and everywhere. So uh, uh, we got a good family unit, and, and we're, we're staying strong. So they're they're up for anything that that happens, basically. Um, just tell people briefly about your thoughts on all your time at Hull. Then that's a club that's had. You know, the owners are quite unpopular there and it sounds like an interesting club. Was that a good move for you or not? Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed my time here. I'm still living here. My my house is still in in, in Hull. So it, it's a really nice area. The, the the club is really, really good. But I guess it's uh, at, at the time that I came, I the fans are kind of really bitter to the to the owners there. They're not not really happy with them. Um for for various reasons and everything but i got to captain them which is a which is a big honor an actual the actual uh captain at the start of the season not just like coming in and out so that that's a, a really big honor for me especially being uh, american and everything but it was a, a good two years that i spent there and uh got no hard feelings uh just the only thing is uh they, they got relegated earlier i'm just really happy that they they bounced straight back and they're back in the championship, which is really good for, for the club and, and all the guys that are still there that I know. You spent the last year in, I think it's only one year in Turkey. I suppose um, a lot of players probably go out there because Turkish fans sound so crazy, but it's it probably it's been a completely different experience for you living out there through the, the pandemic. What was it? What's the last year been like in Turkey for you? Well, when I first got out there, everything was open. Everything was actually quite easy, to be honest with you. It was a lot better than England. Everything was closed in England. So I, I really enjoyed my my uh, first couple months there until it was, I was, it was going really well. And then about December, I had a, an injury that kind of stopped me playing. So I was doing a rehab out there since like uh, January till about March or April now. So now I'm, I'm back running on the grass and, and just uh, getting myself fit, uh, ready for the next club. But it was a, a a good experience, I would say. Living in Istanbul is a crazy city. It doesn't make me want to live in any big cities. I'm not a really big city person, but it's just a, a, a difference. Basically, like I said, like I, I'm ready for the next adventure. It was a, an adventure for me, but I think um, being around here uh, back in England is is probably the best bit for me. Um. What's Turkish football like? Because English football has its style. And I think we've been discussing this on the podcast before about how the game's a bit different in the pandemic with no crowds. What's it like playing in Turkish football with no crowds? Uh, it was, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that it, they're really, really passionate, I would say. And also like the standard, the players compared to like the championship the players technically are, are really, really good, but like tactically, it's all over the place. Last 15 minutes is absolutely chaos. It's, I, I can't even explain it. Like everyone's shouting that's in the stadium. I know there's, there's not a lot of people, but like coaching staff, staff, everyone's going crazy at the rest. The amount of the abuse the refs get and stuff from staff members. Oh my gosh. It's, it's absolutely mental. It's, it's, it's like totally different, I would say, but 
it's a lot it's the intensity is is totally different to like the championship because it's almost 90 minutes of let's go let's go let's go but the the standard there is like it's almost like build up a little bit try to keep the ball at least this is how our team played and kind of look for that opening and that's when that those intense periods are because it was a little bit hotter than it is uh, here in England so you can't keep up that that pressing pace for 90 minutes it's almost impossible when it's, with the heat um, before we finish by talking about what your plans are for the future, I just want to zip back to one thing about Forrest, because I was thinking you're the most recent player we've had on who's actually played in the Marinakis era. What what was it like, do you recall, when Marinakis bought the club? Was it quite hectic or not? And Did you meet him and what are your impressions of him if you did meet him? Um, to be honest with you, like I said before, it doesn't... Then I, I know this is probably cliche, you probably know I'm going around the answer but it didn't didn't really affect me at all too much uh what the things that i control were on the pitch and how i trained and how i looked after my body because that's the only things that i can't control so it it wasn't really that i I, the only thing i would say is that i knew that there there would be some changes whether it would be managers or players coming in they'll probably implement what they wanted and whether i would be a part of that was uh was something that I, i i couldn't control i just had to worry about the performance for performances of myself on the pitch. So, like I said, you, I might, you, people might think that I'm going around the question, but honestly, the things that I control are, are what I'm worried about, and that, that's how I uh, basically deal with uh, with things that are changing. Uh, which kind of brings us to the present day, then, in terms of you know control of your own career. You, without a club at the moment, which doesn't sound like it sits well with you. So, what are the hopes in terms of what you want to do? Is it a championship club would you drop down would you go back abroad what what are you thinking uh i told my agent i'm up for anything i would any kind of project i'm up for anything a new adventure another country i don't mind i'm looking for anything really so uh anything that kind of sparks my interest uh i won't say no to so well, i will just have to wait and see but uh i just want to be playing again whether it's uh in this country or not so i'm looking forward to the, the start of the season what about the long-term future? I mean, you know, 32, you've got three or four good years left in you, I'm sure. But do you think, is, does coaching interest you? Does leaving football completely interest you? Going back to America with the family, have you, have you even thought that far ahead? Yeah, I've, I've tried to think that far ahead, but uh, it always something always happens and it derails it. So there's no point of thinking that far. But uh, right now I'm going through uh, some, I'm probably going to become a coach. I, I do... Uh, do like football a lot, so I, I think uh, I could teach uh, the younger generation the things that I've I've learned from being a professional. So I'll probably end up going that pathway, whether or not I'll be a manager or youth team coach. Uh, well, I'll just have to wait and see. And uh, once I get the experience with the coaching, I'll, I'll probably find my my feet and see what I enjoy the most. Would you want your daughters to go into it if they was uh, if they were good enough at football in the in the women's super league or anything like that? Would you tell them to stay well away from the game now? No, I would tell them to stay away. It's too stressful, honestly. So a lot of BS out there, and it's too stressful. So I would tell them to stay away from it. <laughs> well, we hope you find a new club uh, soon, and we hope it's a good move for you and the family. Um, thanks for joining us, Eric. I really appreciate it. I'm sure Forest fans are enjoying hearing from you so we certainly wish you well and uh, we'll be back with another episode like this um, next week with another player who's already uh, confirmed that we've got to get that one recorded Um, thanks very much everyone thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red a Nottingham Forest podcast 
If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you.